0: If you are not familiar with this portion of Scripture, this is taken from Jesus' first public sermon on earth as a human being. Amen. Father God foretold in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned that a woman would one day give birth to a seed. And that seed would crush the head of the serpent. And we now know that the seed Father was referring to was none other than His only begotten Son who came to this earth uh, and became the Son of Man. And the Son of Man, amen, (laughs) I like to say it this way, the Son of God became a Son of Man so that the sons of men could become sons of God, amen. And, And He did what He did on this earth as you, and He did it for you. We also see that as Jesus walked this earth, that He taught us. And so we've been waiting a long time. When I say we, mankind, had been waiting a long time for Jesus to get here. And then when he got here, we had to wait 30 years for him to be able to begin a public ministry. And so after waiting all those generations and then three more decades, Jesus begins his earthly ministry, and this is his first message. So there's no way to overemphasize the importance of these words given all the things Jesus could have talked about, all the things Jesus could have addressed. He chose these things to talk about first. First things first. you ever that expression first things first and a whole reason and and, and even a, if we could say the underlying theme of this whole uh first sermon from jesus uh was attitude uh, matter of fact he started he gave us the beatitudes to begin with because the attitude of our heart towards god and and the, the focus of our uh thoughts uh either towards god or towards other things is going to uh, have everything to do with what we receive from him if, if God is ministering over here to my right and your left, and we're focused over here to, to, to my left and your right, we're going to miss what he's doing because we're focused there and he's, he's operating here. So that's why some of the greatest ministers who ever lived, including Jesus himself, preached over and over again a simple message of repentance. The greatest prophet born of a woman, John the Baptist, Jesus the Son of God, The 12 holy apostles and the first 70 missionaries were all preaching from the same set of notes. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom that was once three heavens away is now as close as your outstretched hand. And remember, repent means to look at things differently than the way you've looked at them before. It's talking about a new way of looking at things, a new condition of mind. I know if you were raised in church like me, you may have been taught that repent meant stop sinning. And and certainly we can make a turn, and we need to turn from things in our lives as we grow and develop, turn from sin, turn from wrongdoing, turn from wrong thinking. But the actual message of repentance is calling for a new way of looking at things, a new way of looking at things. Because if we continue to look at things the way we've always looked at them, amen, then no matter what Jesus says, is, is doing and came to do and what Jesus is changing and came to change, it, it will not uh, uh, affect our lives uh, at all, amen, if we continue to, to look one direction when God is, is doing another. Now, for some of you, that, that may sound kind of sketchy, may, may, may kind of sound a little iffy there, but, but the scriptures uh, bear that out and, and we're seeing that uh, as, as we look at, at it in different places uh, in, in the word of God. Uh, there's a willingness, there must be a willingness on our part uh, to look if our eyes are ever going to be opened so that we might see. And, and some of the most, you know, gifted and and prepared uh, men on planet Earth in light, uh, in, in terms of being able to recognize who Jesus truly was, missed him completely. I'm talking about men who had memorized the Old Testament. Men who could, could from memory, give you every Single prophecy concerning the coming Messiah. They didn't even have to look at their notes. I mean, they knew him, okay? And there he is standing right in front of them, and they couldn't see him because of the attitude of their heart towards him. Are you seeing this? Because of what they were looking to, right? One of the things we're going to, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but what Jesus is explaining to us here in this section of Matthew, the sixth chapter, is that whatever you look to will become the lens you look through. Whatever you look to, and it's what you set your focus upon, will become the lens that you look through. So if you are not looking at things, choice that you've made, if, if you are not choosing to look at things in, in the way that you need to look at them, you're not going to see the things that God needs you to see to make the difference in your life that he desires to make. So this is extremely important. It is extremely, extremely important. The Lord's been speaking to us here at Heritage, for those of you who are guests with us this morning, about a significant shift. And we're not saying that this is all that it involves, but at least as far as what he's revealed to us up to this point, the significant shift that he wants to see happen in our lives this year is that we quit worrying. That we quit worrying. We asked the question last week, what would happen if you quit worrying? Some people are like, man, I'm too worried to even think about what would happen if I quit worrying. Right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right. So, but anyway, let's, um, let's talk about a couple of things, and then we'll look at our verses, all right? Remember this as we begin this morning. You were never meant to live in the world with a view of the world that comes from the world. And that may be wordy, but it's solid, I'm telling you. You were never meant to live in the world with a view of the world, meaning how you look at the world. You were never meant to live in the world looking at the world uh, with a view that comes from this world. Jesus was in this world, but he was not of this world. In the same way that you as a born-again believer are in this world, but you are not of this world. And we all agree that Jesus looked at things differently than everyone around him. Jesus looked at people. He looked at situations. He, He saw things from a different perspective. And that's because he didn't look at this world with a view that came from this world. But although he was in this world, he saw this world through a lens of heaven. He, he, he was in this world. Are you hearing me? He was in this world, but he was more familiar with the world he came from than the world that he was in. So one more time, you were never meant to live in the world with a view of the world that comes from the world. And among other things, that's what Jesus is addressing in this section. Of Matthew, the sixth chapter. So let's begin at verse 19, and I'm going to read verses 19 through 34. And it's very important that we continue to do it this way because Jesus is not talking about a list of random and unrelated things, but he is talking about many things that all connect together and are related with one another. And the Holy Spirit's going to help us this morning see that more clearly uh, than we have yet, okay? But let's begin at verse number 19. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." The lamp of the body is the eye. So do you see how it almost seems like Jesus shifted gears, changed subjects? Okay, we've talked about that, now let's talk about this. No, these things are powerfully and critically and importantly connected with one another. And we're going to see that again as we work our way through uh, the message this morning. So verse 22 again, Jesus says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. So you see it's almost like, all right, well, he just changed subjects again. No, he didn't. Amen. No, he didn't. He's still talking about the same thing. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Look at me for a moment. I I want to make sure you know this. When we hear the word despise, we think like hatred and, and, and even the word that's used here in, in the verse leading up to this or, or the phrase leading up to this is the word hate. But biblically speaking, to despise something means to, to consider it lightly, uh, to, 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 to not give it much of any place at all in your life. So to despise the things of God doesn't mean necessarily... I mean, listen, there are plenty of people in our world who, who hate the very mention of God, who hate the very idea of Christianity and, and, are, and are being used by the devil to try and bring hindrance and, 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 and you know, distraction and, and what have you, uh, persecution to, to the body of Christ. But Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But don't think... Because listen to me, there are a lot of people who would say, oh, that's not me, I... I you know, I, I don't despise God. I don't despise the things of God. My mama taught me better than that. No, to despise means to, to treat it as if it's not that big of a deal, as as if it's not that important, as as if it's not the most important or the main thing uh, in our uh, life reality. So you either be loyal to the one, hold fast to the one, uh, or and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. Therefore, I say to you. So the verse... 25 begins with therefore it's a very important word because it is a connecting word therefore would be interpreted or translated this way in light of what i've just told you based upon the things i just revealed to you uh, in light of what i just said to you okay because of what i just said to you do not worry so he's making a very important uh connection by using uh this uh word therefore so So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. All right, if you underline things in your Bible, underline, circle, highlight, draw lightning bolts around how they grow. How they grow. Hopefully we'll have time to get to that here in just a moment. But how they grow, that's significant. He didn't just tell us to consider the lilies. He told us to consider The lilies, comma how they grow. So there's something very specific, something very focused that Jesus wanted us to consider about lilies, and He wanted us to consider how they grow. Right? Spoiler alert. You ready? Was more to it than this, but spoiler alert. Are you ready? They grow in direct light. They have to have direct light to grow. Amen. Guess what? You and I need to grow. We need direct light. We, we need the light of God. So do you see, if your eye be single, your whole body will be full of direct light from heaven. And direct light from heaven is how not only the lilies grow, but it's how they increase. So he's talking about increase here. He's talking about how to experience increase. The, the word uh, uh, grow has to do with increase. It also has to do with, with things being augmented. Amen. Amen. Augmented. I'm so far ahead of myself, but I'm right where I want to be right now. Amen. Augmented. If something is augmented, it it means that it's it's had something added to it that's made it even better. Amen. See, God is a God of augmentation. Amen. He is not just a utilitarian God. Amen. Anybody remember how uh, things used to look in the Soviet Union back in the in the USSR days? Amen. Everything seemed to be in black and white, even if it was a color photo. Amen. It's because everything was, you know, the, 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 the most efficient and basic. And, and, man, we think heaven's going to be like the former Soviet Union one day when we walk in there. Like just, you know, miles and miles and miles of little one-bedroom flats for everybody to kind of hobble into. Are you kidding me? God is a God who, who loves to add things to us and make it even better, and then make it even better still, and then make it even better still. You realize that, that lilies, think about it now for a minute. If, and not that I desire this, and certainly it's not going to happen, all right? But you realize if we woke up tomorrow and there was not another lily on planet Earth, unless you're like in an international lily marketing business, it's not going to affect you at all. In other words, life will, the world will continue to spin without lilies. Amen? So, why do we have, what does it even tell us about our Heavenly Father that there's lilies for us to enjoy? They're extra, amen, because God's a God of extra. Well, let me just stay focused here. But he's telling you and me to consider. Now, while I'm ahead of myself, let me just stay on ahead of myself for a minute. Notice now, notice here's the tie-ins between laying up treasure, because where your treasure is, that's where your focus is going to be. What you look to is what you're going to focus on. He's talking about focus. He's talking about what you look to, amen, how you see things and the lens through which you look. And then he talks about, God or mammon and you can't be loyal or you can't look to to both at the same time you can't put your trust in both at the same time then he gives us the instructions about looking to the birds and considering the lilies looking to the birds and considering the lilies looking to the birds and considering the lilies I'm going to make this as simple as I know how to make it okay jesus came to solve a lot of problems for us and one of the most important problems he came to solve for us outside of our being spiritually dead and and enslaved to sin okay i mean right up there like a close second or third amen are you following what i'm saying to those biggies he came to solve our wrong looking and wrong considering problem you see worry is a result of looking at things in a way that you were never meant to look at them Worry is a result of you considering things that you have no business even considering. There's only one way to look at it. One of the devil's absolute most favorite tactics or strategies that he loves to use against us is by simply saying this, well, that's one way of looking at it. When Eve told him the right way to look at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember this, right? Did God really say you can't eat any of these fruit, fruit trees in this garden? Oh, no. God said we can eat of all the trees that, that, that are here except for that one. What did the devil just do? He knew she could eat from all those trees except for that one. But when he said you can eat from all but that one, now all of a sudden she's focused on that one. She's looking at it, Right? Was it wrong to look at it? No, it wasn't wrong to look at it. But now that he's got her looking at it, he's going to try to get her to look at it in a different light. He's going to try to get her to see it a different way. Right? You see what he's doing here. Oh, no, if we eat, you know, you won't won't die if you eat that tree right there. Oh, God said if we eat that tree, we'll die. Well, that's one way of looking at it, Mrs. Eve. But... Have you ever considered that if you eat that tree, you'll be like God? See what he's doing now. Same thing he tries to do to you and me every minute of every day of our lives. Listen to him to look at things in a way that we've never looked at them and consider consider what that means and what that might look like if we did it a different way. That's one way of looking at it. Guess what? There's only one way of looking at it. That's what it means for your eye to be good. Literally translated, if your eye be single. If your eye be single. Amen. Amen. All right, let me let me get back focused here. You still good? All right. <clears throat> so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So now notice we, unless he said this, the casual observer may not think what he's saying has anything to do with faith. Can I, can I tell you, and I, I don't want you to like, you know, think I've lost my marbles or something. I haven't, I promise you, okay? But I'm going to tell you one of the things the Lord's got me doing when it comes to this word faith. Actually, it's, it's two things. We've been talking about this on Wednesday night. When I read faith, he is He is training me to do two things. To say faith in God. Are you hearing me? To say faith in God. Even if faith in God's not there, sometimes you'll see faith in God. But one of the strategies and tactics the enemy is used against people and, and you know, believers, God's own children, is that we, we, don't, we don't connect faith with, with necessarily being faith in God. We try to have faith in the promises, but not in the promise maker. You can never have more confidence in the promise than you have in the one who made the promise to you. So it's faith in God. But here's the other one. Here's the other one. Because if you look at the word pistis in the original language, it could have just as easily been translated every time. Instead of F-A-I-T-H, it could have been translated T-R-U-S-T. Trust. It's trust. Right? We are learning to trust God. So when he says have faith, have faith in God, or have trust in God, O ye of minuscule and very brief, Trust in God, O ye of little or brief or minuscule faith in God. Verse, that's the last phrase in verse 30. Let's keep going. Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, as we mentioned a moment ago, Jesus covers several things here, and at first glance they seem to be multiple unrelated points, but they are all connected to one another. So what I want to do, and we may not have much more time than this because we do have communion here in just a moment, okay? but what i what I want to do is I want to take these verses and pull from them the twelve key points that jesus is making all right i'm not I'm not trying to because there's a lot of things that he that he said related to the key points that are extremely important so I'm not trying to leave anything out here, but I think one of the most important things for you and me during this phase of where the Lord is trying to take us remember we're not just here for him to do something for us God's not just trying to do something for you he's trying to take you somewhere you can't get to without him amen and if we're going to go where he's trying to take us I think the most important thing for you and me right now is to is to see to the best of our ability working together with the Holy Spirit is to see all these verses as as a connected whole and what it is that he's trying to uh, say uh, to us through them, all right? So some of the really important questions that I want you in your own study to begin to ask the Lord is, you know, what, what does it mean? What, 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 for example, when he says, lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, what does that mean? What does that really mean? This, you know, I think we hear that sometimes, and we just think, oh well, Jesus is just encouraging us to do good, you know, and blah blah. No, no, it's it's something way way more than that, all right. So let's um let's pull some key points in the order Jesus gave them, in an effort to see the bigger picture, and then of course we'll come back and we will spend time on each of these points moving forward as 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 we really unpack and let the Holy Spirit speak to us through what Jesus said to us so many many years ago. Okay. So let's, um, I'm just going to kind of give them to you this way, and then maybe we'll come back if we have time and comment on some of these, all right? So uh, the first thing that we see is lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, all right? Now, wh- what is he talking about here? And don't just assume that you know. Don't don't just think, well, you know, I got that part. What's next? Come on. Let's move on through this, Pastor Mark. I'm hungry. No, no, see, we... Because these things are connected to and in many ways related and even dependent upon one another that if we skip this part, if we skip this part of laying up treasure for ourselves in heaven, then we're going to struggle with the instructions that come after this. So for example, uh, number two is, um, is if your eye... If your eye is single, I know the New King James Version says good, uh, and uh, the King James says single, and single is is what it means. In other words, he's he's talking about the ability to see something as it truly is. The devil makes his living by trying to to paint things in a different light. We mentioned that just a moment ago with, with what he did in the Garden of Eden. He's trying to get us to see things not as they truly are. So he's talking about if your eye be single, he's talking about focus. He's talking about what you choose to set your eye upon. Or let me I'm trying to make this as as easily understood as possible. So what he's ultimately saying here is what you look to. What you look to. What you look to for things like security, what you look to for happiness, what you look to as uh as a means of victory. Do you notice how many people in our world look to money for happiness? They look to that's why he talked about you can't be loyal to God and money. Right? Because how many people in our world they they look to money as a means of victory. We got a problem, we need some money to solve the problem. They look to how about this one? They look to themselves can't trust anybody in this world, I'm just self-reliant, I'm self-made man, I'm a this, I'm a well, Okay, so remember now, whatever you look to becomes the lens you look through. No wonder people are so selfish in our world today. They see everything through the lens of self. They see everything through the lens of what's in this for me. That's a result of them choosing to look to themselves, because whatever you look to becomes the lens you look through. You mean you still with me? Amen. I'm just trying to give you an overview here. So lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, number one. Number two, the second thing Jesus said is if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. Number three, he says you cannot serve. And notice I put in parentheses here some you know, deeper understanding if we break these words down. You cannot serve, you cannot look to, you cannot be loyal to, you cannot hold firmly to two masters. You're not the exception. See how many people look at this and go, "Well, uh, you know, man, you know, I'm I'm not the average bear. I I can do this. Nobody, you cannot. It's impossible. You cannot serve, look to, be loyal to, hold firmly to two masters." Number four, he then says, "Do not worry. Do not have anxious, troubling thoughts about your life." Number five, he asks a question. He says, is your life not meant for more than the pursuit of food and clothing? What's he doing here? He's saying, you know, just about every person on this planet has lost sight of the bigger purpose for their lives. And, and, and we think that all life is, is, you know, getting what we need and maybe a few things that, that we want And, um, you know, the world even has these corny little sayings like, he who dies with the most toys wins. And and, and we think it's all about accumulating stuff and things. Listen to me, please. Father God does not mind you having stuff and things. He doesn't want stuff and things to be your primary focus. And He doesn't want money and stuff and things to have you. It's one thing for you to have them. It's another thing for them to have you. If you look to money, money will become the lens you look through. Meaning, everything that you look at in life will be—you'll be looking at it through a lens of money. How much does it cost? How, how much is maybe we can save a few dollars? Well, I, I wish I could do that, but I don't know if I have money to do that and do that. And there's every every decision in life becomes about money. If you look to heaven, listen to me now. If you will look to heaven, you will view life and and your place in this world and everything else through a lens of heaven. So what, what am I saying here? If you will look to heaven as your source, not to money as your source, if you will look to heaven as the source of your security, look to heaven as the source of your happiness, look to heaven as the source of your means to victory, then that will become the lens through which you view your life on this planet and your place in this world which also means it will become the lens through which you look at money. We need a view of money from heaven's perspective. We need to learn how to look at money from heaven's perspective. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is a tool. And God wants you to have it, and He wants you to have plenty of it. And if you say that's not true, you haven't read the Bible. And it doesn't matter if you live in a developing nation. God's desires for you is to protect you and bless you and prosper you and help you and bring you up. His call is an upward calling, and His ways will work. See, we 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 think that. Yeah, well, you know, I, was, I don't I don't I don't know about all this stuff, Pastor Mark. What what kind of economy do you think was in the first century world that the church was built in? That the church began. The church was launched in. I get stirred up about that because I just I have people all the time. Well, he's one of them prosperity preachers. God is a prosperity God, Amen. but see now, watch this. If you if you look to money as your source, you will then look through the lens of money, and everything in your life, you'll see it through that lens. That's where people come up with things like. Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? And Jesus said, what in that situation? Oh, guys, you're right. I got caught up in the moment there. I, I just didn't want to hurt her feelings. But yeah, it, it should have it. This should not have been wasted on me. Is that what Jesus said? No, Jesus rebuked him. Jesus rebuked him. He said, she's done a good thing for me. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to make sure that wherever this gospel of the kingdom is preached, somebody will talk about her. For the rest of eternity, she'll be talked about. Because she broke a box of ointment that some say was up to multiple years of salary. This would have been like her family family inheritance this would have been like her retirement this would have been are you understanding what I'm saying this this was thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars and she broke it and poured it on Jesus the only way you'll ever see that as a good thing is if you have a if you're looking through the lens of heaven at money and resources because see if you look to money you will look through a lens of money and that means you will always see shortage no matter how much money you have. I am trying to move on here, but somebody just needs to hear this so desperately. See, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. In other words, <clears throat> well, I, mean, I'm just, I just think that, you know, I can't believe a preacher flying around a country in an airplane. Why well, wasn't that on that sold and given to the poor. See people who people who say that think there's only a, a limited amount of resources to go around. See when you have a when when you look to heaven, sweet Jesus, help us, Father. You don't please don't tune me out right now. I don't know who you are, but please don't t- listen to me now. When you look to heaven. You will see everything else, including money, including resources, through the lens of heaven. Is heaven on a budget today? When there was a whole bunch of people that were hungry, and there wasn't, he didn't say that there wasn't enough money necessarily, he said, I don't know how much is in the bag, But even if there's enough money in the bag to buy food to feed all these hungry people, there's not enough bread and fish in the grocery stores in this region. If we went and bought everything off every shelf right now, there wouldn't be enough food to feed these people. And Jesus was like, that's a bad idea. I'm sorry, guys. You're right. I just don't want them to be hungry. I mean, look, I'm going to dip out and y'all kind of tell them bye because I'm embarrassed to send these people home hungry. Is that, is that, no. Jesus said, you're looking at what you don't have. See, that's, are you following? When you look to money, you look through a lens of money. When you look through a lens of money, you always come up with shortages, right? When you look to heaven and then through a lens from heaven, you don't see what you don't have, you see what you do have. Because whatever you do have, if you will surrender it to God, it'll be enough. So Jesus says, I'm not not asking you what we don't have, I'm asking you what we do have. Well, I mean, there's a little boy here, but I mean, he's just got a little bit. That's the only food we found. You realize that if they had already surveyed the crowd to see who had food, they were trying to figure out how many people were going to need something. They probably was like, well, this little boy, he's got it probably enough for him. So that's one person we don't have to feed today. But that leaves us 9,998 more. Little boy's got his lunch, but what is that among so many? What lens are they looking through here? You see this. What, how are they seeing this compared to how Jesus is seeing it? Jesus said, bring that little boy's lunch to me. If, if he will give it to me, then I can use that to feed everybody. That's heaven's perspective, right? See people, people complaining about Brother Copeland or whoever flying around the world in a jet airplane, preaching the gospel. What they don't understand is that, first of all, not that I would know what to do with it or anybody in this room would know what to do with it, but Father God has no problem giving every. He could and he could listen to me now. See this, this is heaven's perspective. An airplane, what's the big deal? how many you need y'all getting quiet on me see how, how many you realize that they pave roads in heaven with pure gold right how, how many do you how many do you need do you, do you have a place to put one I mean if you've got a place to put one and you want one or if you need one I can give you one right now, but see we see you look everything through the lens of money you see limits, you see limited you start worrying what we could have done with this, what we should have done with this. You're getting quiet on me. It's time, ain't it I where am I? praise God? Number five is your life not meant for more than the pursuit of food and clothing? We're not even halfway home. let's go look. All caps, at how your, this is how Jesus said it, right? Look at how your heavenly father cares for the birds. Are you not much more precious to him than they? Question again. Next question, number seven. Who has ever made something increase for the better by worrying? See, increase is at the root of all this. Not just having what you need, but having increase, augmentation, more than enough. Growth. So when he said it this way, who has, which of you, which among you, which one among you has ever added one cubit to his stature? That's growth, right? Development, augmentation. By worrying. Number eight, consider the lilies and how they grow. Increase, add to, are made large in number, size and strength. If your heavenly Father cares this much for them, how much more does he care for and invest, and has invested. I typo there in you. The word grow. How they, how they grow. He's, ta- he's the, the word is an amazing word. It's it's it's. I'm sorry. The word. Let me get it straight in my head now. Clothe. Thank you, Father. It's not grow. grows grows a different word. Clothe here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Clothe here is the root word of the word that's translated clothe is to invest in. To invest in. What he's saying here is, look at what I have invested in the lily. Look look at how I designed this lily to function. Look at what I put in this lily so that this lily can do what this lily does. If I have invested that in the lily, what does it say about the things that I have invested in you. I feel some of you dragging behind. Stay with me. Number nine, do not give voice. This is huge. Jesus is saying, do not give voice to your anxiety and talk like someone who does not have a covenant with Father God. That's what it means by So These are the things that Gentiles seek after. Gentile is someone who doesn't have a covenant with God. Do not give voice to your anxiety and talk like someone who does not have a covenant with Father God. Number 10, do not give voice to your anxiety and talk like someone Father God doesn't care about. Oh, we see this throughout the scriptures, right? He brought us out in this wilderness for us to die. There weren't enough graves in Egypt. Our corpses are going to rot out here. There's not going to be anybody left to bury us and people are going to walk by one day and see our dried up white bones and Talk about how God just played a cruel joke on us. Jesus, we're drowning up here. Don't you even care that we're dying? Do not give voice to your anxiety and talk like someone Father God doesn't care about. Number 11. Are we there yet? Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God and God's ways of being and doing right and everything else will be added to you just like the birds and lilies. And then number 12. Do not worry. Have anxious, troubling thoughts about what might happen tomorrow or, in our case, in the future. Amen. Daniel, Vanessa, Matt, y'all come on. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Are you seeing it now? Are you seeing it a little more clearly? So, worry is divided focus. Worry is. Imagining negative outcomes. What is worry if it's not focusing on something that might happen? Some alternative ending to one that God has already made clear in his scripture. Now, I don't want to end this on a negative note, but for those of you who were not here last week, we really spent some time looking at the serious nature of worry. And worry is one of those things that we don't think is that big of a deal. A lot of people justify worry. And sadly, there are a lot of people in our world today who think there's nothing we can do about worry and that worrying actually is a good thing or a positive thing. And we hear that sometimes when people say, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't worry about you. So notice the devil has deceived people into thinking that worry is, is something we can't help, that worry is somehow helpful... That if we're not worried, especially as parents, we're not doing our jobs right, and, and that it's somehow a way that we express love to people. But here it is are you ready? There is no greater evil more readily accepted and tolerated than worry. There's no greater evil. There's no, you say, Pastor Mark, what? what? See, here's the thing it, it, you don't know what you don't know, but, but the devil makes his living by minimizing things, trivializing things, making something that's really important seem like it's not that big a deal. Worry is not your friend. Worry is a big deal. Worry is the devil hijacking your mental capacity and, and using it to set in motion a chain of events where you are focused on the wrong things, you're drawing darkness into your heart and mind, you're neutralizing your faith, you're dishonoring God, you're, all these things. And then the next thing you know, you start speaking it out of your mouth and you start setting things in motion in your life. Amen. So I'm going to ask you again, what would happen? What would happen if you stopped worrying? Now, God's the source of life, but we reap what we sow. Let me tell you one thing that science has proven. Are you ready? People who don't worry live longer amen. it's proven it's proven proven oh sweet jesus i could talk to you for two more hours amen those who are going to serve communion if you would come please amen are y'all getting anything out of this this morning amen. praise god oh sweet jesus yes give Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus, thank you, jesus. Thank you, jesus. so how do we identify worry i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you all serve, and I'm going to keep talking, because I just, I got amen, and then they're going to sing, and we're going to, amen, it's going to be good. How do you identify worry? Can I tell you a personal story? Um, if you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to have communion, amen, with us today. Hold your emblems if you're served first, and then we'll partake together, amen. So Pam and I have a, a contract on a, on a rental house.